Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. Today, June 23, Lord, heal our land, Lord. Heal our, our reservoirs. Fill them to a brimming overflow. Lord, do your word as you promised. You promised to take us, Lord, to mold us with your own hands, Lord. Make us pilots. We are good pilots, Lord. Hallelujah. We do exploits, Lord. Fill our reservoirs, Lord. You give us, Lord God, unlimited resources, Lord. So we, we're in, we do your work, Lord, and we give others hope. We give others encouragement, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we believe in miracles. We believe miracles follow us. We believe in signs and wonders. And, we, and I believe that you, Jesus, you do your works through me. You talk your works. And you heal your people through my voice, Lord. I am your vessel. Lord, we thank you for today's readings. Lord, give us your mind, your instructions, Lord. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, for never leaving us nor forsaking us and giving us your promise and the hope of your return. We wait. Hallelujah. Maranatha. Jesus, come back. We wait upon you. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4, 18 to 527. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, My head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, Carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. Is it neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath? But she said, it will be all right. So she sat on the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elijah saw her in the distance and he said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi. Everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to pull her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in deep she is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Interesting. Then she said, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, Don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elijah said to Gehazi, Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the mother the boy's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elijah returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elijah and told him the child is still dead. 
When Elijah arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elijah got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elijah summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother. He said, and when she came, Elijah said, Here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Elijah now returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. One day, as the group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servants, Put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them in the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, Man of God, there's poison in the stew, so they would not eat it. Elijah said, Bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, Now it's all right. Go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. <clears throat> One day a man from Belshalishal brought the man of God a sack of fresh grain and twenty loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of the harvest. Elijah said, Give it to the people so they can eat. What? his servant exclaimed. Feet of a hundred people with only this? Then Elijah repeated, Give it to the people so they can eat, for this is what the Lord says. Everyone will eat and they will even be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as the Lord has promised. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 1. The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through... Though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to them, her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 100 pounds of gold, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in his maid and said, This man sends me a, le a leopard to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he is just tricking 
trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in his man, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Parpar better than any of these rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him. He said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go and wash and be cured. Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elijah refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the god of Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to. Go in peace, Elijah said to Naaman started home again. But Gehazi, the servant Elijah, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Armenian get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set out after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went meant to me, Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim has just arrived. He will like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take as much silver. Take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gift for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts into the house. When he went into his master's, Elijah asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elijah said to him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered leprosy. His skin was white as snow. Amen. If you are facing a physical, financial, emotional, or spiritual need, 
Is humility too great a sacrifice for you? Don't hesitate to humble yourself and receive from God the help and healing that you need. As you look to Him for your help, remember all the ways He has cared for you and thank Him for His grace. Amen. Remembering in your imagination all the times He has cared for you and thank Him for this grace. You know, um, a lot of us do what this uh, Naaman did. You know, um, and really what it is is self-pity, um, <clears throat> pride. People would say there's a lot of pride, but it's really self-pity. I see self-pity in this reading. Um, he, um, you know, told him to do a simple thing, and uh, he he's just used to being a commander. He's just used to being a warrior. And when people didn't obey, self-pity would sit in. And when he did it, he, he humbled himself and, and obeyed. So obedience is the key. Praising God, especially when you don't understand the situation, but you're following God's decree and God's word. See, uh, Naaman was not received as, as a dignitary as he expected. He was instructed to wash himself in a dirty river for cleansing. At first he refused, but finally he humbled himself in something he perhaps had never done. As he did so, not only was his physical need for healing met, but he encountered the God of Israel, the one true God, and his heart was changed. And you know his heart was changed. He became a tender, tender man because uh, underneath his warrior, he still had a capacity to, to, uh, to know that there was a God out there and feel the love of God. Because it says that God gave him many victories. That's why he was in that position. He knew it was God's hands. Just a beautiful story. Uh, wash yourself seven times. So when we, <clears throat> when we kneel, we can pray seven times for something. Um, I think that was Elijah that prayed seven times for the rain to come. And over here, this person will, will wash himself seven times in water. So the water itself has the memory of healing us. The memory I always used to say that uh, barro, or edible clay, has the memory. And it does. It has the memory when God created the earth. And you put a spoonful in your system and it makes your gut, fixes your gut of many ailments. You know, calcium deficiency. It kind of it kind of refreshes your RNA to start producing and refreshes your body to go back to its original settings. Amen. And again, the bread, give it to the people; they can eat. And they gave it to the people, and there's plenty for all, and some left over, just as the Lord had promised. Amen. And then again, the child sneezed seven times and came alive. And again, the lady said, it's all right. It is all right, the woman kept saying. She didn't reveal her problem to anybody but the man of God, which to us would be a lot of times we'll keep our problems to ourselves and reveal them to Jesus. Because when we confess all is well, it is all right. We are prophesying and we have our hopes well up and high. You know, she knew a principle she knew an underlining principle that she had to hold on to this hope. 
and talk like hope, not talk in desperation. Even though she broke down at, at his feet, she held her tongue and spoke, it's all right. It's going to be all right. And for us, we can continue to say, all is well in Jesus' name. All is well. Everything is fine. Yes. All right. All right. All right. Everything is well. I like the way the uh, black people, they say it. All right. All right. All right. You know, they're just prophesying peace. Every It's a well of life. All right. All right. All right. Amen. Okay, moving on to chapter 15 of Acts. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, funny, I'm reading that. I'm sitting here at the library in Antioch. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them. Arguing vehemently, finally the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them much to everyone's joy that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them, but some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted that Gentiles' converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. At that meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as followers. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirms that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miracle signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles to take from, to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what prophets predicted as it is written afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord including the Gentiles all those who call to be mine the Lord has spoken he who made these things known so long ago so And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meats of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city and every Sabbath for many generations." 
Then the people and the elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, you brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teachings, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representative along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. <clears throat> For it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must obtain, abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of stranded animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed at Antioch there, and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. Amen. Amen. What a wise ways to handle discussions. Uh, you know, and there's always people that always stir up, uh, especially now, situations. You know, and it, it just boggles the imagination that they're uh, um, fruitless and it gets you nowhere. You know, managing our information is not what Jesus came for. Uh, it's for us to be out in the firing lines getting people saved through through confrontations, through 12-step programs, through uh, reaching out and dealing with the community and dealing with the sinners straight on instead of managing words and how to believe. You know, the simple task, hey, we're born again, I'll never leave you, forsake you, Go and act as though and get people saved. Get, talk to people. Get, win them over with your confidence. And the Lord will do the rest. Our differences with others should be settled uh, by seeking wise counsel, <clears throat> prayerfully discussing the issue. That we don't let our disagreements divide us from other believers. What is important is faith expresses itself in love. Galatians 5, 6. Instead, seek to resolve difference with wisdom and good counsel, and above all, guided by love. Amen. Praying the Psalms. Ask God to control what you say and guard your lips from saying things that are displeasing to Him. Alcoholic Anonymous has great prayers. One of the prayers is, God, I offer myself to you. To build with me and to do with me as you would. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, 
your love and your way of life. May I do your will always. Amen. I ask Jesus to control what I say and guard my lips from saying things that are pleasing, displeasing to him. Amen. Psalms 141. O Lord, I am calling you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry for you to help for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. Let the godly strike me, it will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. But I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. When their leaders are thrown down from a cliff, the wicked will listen to my words and find them true. Like rocks brought out by a plow, the bones of the wicked will lie scattered without burial. I look to you for help, O Sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Keep me from the trap they have set for me. From the snares of those who do wrong, let the wicked fall into their own nets. But let me escape. Amen. Proverbs 17:23. The wicked take secret bribes to pervert the court of justice. <coughs> Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for the reading of your word. Lord, your words were found, and we did eat them, Lord, and they were a joy and a rejoicing to our hearts, Lord. Lord, you have said, Lord God, to test you in giving to your church, to your house, so your, there will be meat in your house, Lord. And we have done this, Lord. And we have brought our tithes and offerings to your house, Lord, to test you, Lord, that there will be that you will open the windows of heaven, Lord, and pour down such a blessing there be no room in our in our house, Lord, and that you will rebuke the devourer for our sake, Lord, and then that we will be a delightsome land, Lord. People will say they're delightsome people, and Lord, we thank you for the evidence of your word in our lives, Lord. We ask you, Lord God, to do your word, Lord God, as you promised your children, Lord. We thank you for the evidence of the joy of reading your word, Lord. Bless the hearing, bless our hearts, Lord. And we thank you that you preserve your word all these years, all these centuries, so we can have joy, Lord. Thank you for lifting up your word above your name, Lord. And we say yes and amen. 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 Okay. Um, 2 Kings 6, 1, 7 to 20. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So we went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree... His head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in the water at that spot. 
Then the axe floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place for the Americans, Armenians, Armenians uh, are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Oh, Lord. Amazing. Okay. Um. Thank you. Okay. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and as they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria... When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war, give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master? So the king made a great feast for them, and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Some time later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city, and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eight pieces of silver, and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. 
One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, If the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But the king asked, What is the matter? She replied, The woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today, then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, Kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair, and as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king bowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a message, messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived. And the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer, or the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here, but with the famine in the city we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. But if they let us live, so much, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So, at the twilight, they set out for camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of, of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of great army approaching. The, approaching. the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. Uh, when the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid. Finally they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back 
and told the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Armenian camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of his out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I knew what has happened. The Armenians know we are starving, so they have left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, and then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of the officers replied, we had better send out our scouts to check into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they stay here and die with us, with the rest of us. So the chariots with the horses were prepared, and the king went, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Armenian army. They went all the way to the Jordan River following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Armenians had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people at Samaria rushed out and plundered the Armenian camp. So it was true that five quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of, and for one piece of silver and ten quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver. At just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. Wow. Oh boy. So, everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, Five quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officers replied, this, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had said, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was for the people trampled him to, to death at the gate. Amen. Wow, what a story. Um, I think <coughs> it's amazing how the miracle of Elisha and the, the uh, axe that floated to the water here. And I, I, I like the way Elisha, you know, told the king everything of where the enemy was. You know, um, yeah, you know, I was just musing how I, I prayed. I asked the Lord to, uh, you know, you give, test me in this. Mm -hmm. See if I don't open the windows of heaven. Yeah. And uh, I'm just thinking, you know, that that uh, he filled he filled the whole place back up. With yeah. Abundance and abundance that there's no room. Our, right. Our gas is always full. There's no more room for more gas. Right. <laughs> our, um, 
<clears throat> but we can't possibly take in more food than is healthy for us. Right. Or rest more hours than is healthy. Yeah. You know, in that sense, we have more peace. The things we need. Mm-hmm. You know, our basic needs are met. Yes. We have an abundance of water. We yes. have abundance of food. Abundance of peace and abundance of duty and health. Immune system. Amen. It's only us that we want it more, and we, it's when we get into it. Yeah. We're asking the Lord to get us out of the things that we got. We got ourselves right, into it. The right. Lord didn't say, right. hey, go use this card. Go to Hawaii for now. Right. Put it on credit and right. come back. I said, it's the Lord's will. <laughs> <laughs> so, amen. So, but praise the, God. We thank yeah. you, Lord, that you are fulfilling our, yes, our needs. Yes, Lord. A hundred percent. Your word is true. Amen. And it's a joy to my heart. Lord. And and Father, when you open the windows of heaven, Lord, everything is in abundance, Lord. We just thank you for I'm amazed that you we were talking about this in the scripture. Open the windows of heaven. It's right here, but hey, God is confirming his word. Amen. He does, huh? Yeah. I was thinking of the yes the that's the only thing that came to my spirit. Those two prayers, mm-hmm. praying with Jeremiah, mm-hmm. the scrolls were found, and then that other one was there in my spirit. Mm-hmm. But God has fulfilled His word already. Yes. Aren't we? Right. You know, are we in peace? Are we living in such a peaceful mm-hmm. surrounding? It's amazing. You know, aren't the birds singing this morning? Isn't this Amen. paradise? Yes. And, and it's blessed the water. And the flip side to this is that... Um, the man, the, the, the king's op- officer that, that said with all his heart that even if God did this, it wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. How much doubt did he profess that he didn't, that the prophet said to him, you will see this come to pass, but you, you won't. You won't get it for yourself. It's interesting. Amen. You know, uh, and we have that. We have a lot of people that God can't. I heard a guy say, God can't afford that. You know right. I mean? Uh huh. God can't afford it. When I told him when I opened up the new, mm-hmm. when it opened up a new meeting, mm-hmm. I said, No, we don't have money in this place. And God did afford it. He paid for the first one. Yeah. He afforded it. Mm hmm. He brings in it when it's not. I have been praying this week yeah. as I much did last week, so I don't ex- I expect people to be there. But still, amen. <clears throat> well, and then I like that it. it says, um, you know, by this time tomorrow, things are going to change, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't going to, you didn't have to <clears throat> wait a year. This is now. By this time tomorrow, our situation can change. So we just have to believe and continue to, to, to just hang on to our faith, right? Mm-hmm. But it was so amazing when you declare something. He said, by this time tomorrow, the market, this is what's going to take place. The declaration of our words, you know, we will be free of death. You know, it's really interesting. We will travel the world. We will help others. We will, you know, with the Lord's uh, help on our side, we will accomplish what He's ordained for us already. Amen. Amen. So be it, I believe. You know, it's really interesting. The famine was so hard that uh, one of the babies was the lady we ate our 
What do you we boil, we cook our baby. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that it should have said and a few days later, but it says the next day, you know, I wouldn't be hungry if I eat my baby mm -hmm. the next day, you know. Mm -hmm. I may be with a broken heart, but um, then they wanted to eat the next baby. But that's not the point. The point is, is that the king got fed up and raged, Mm -hmm. And he turned not only against God, but he mm -hmm. turned against Elijah that he wanted to kill right. his head. Right. Why would he want to all right. of a sudden turn on Elijah? Why? Yes. You know, because they're going, uh, he flipped uh -huh. you know, because of the family. Right, right. He, oh, leadership. Oh. He blamed it on Elijah. And a lot of people, like Proverbs say, they ruin their lives and they blame it on God. They ruin their lives and they blame it on God. That was really interesting. There was no cause for him. After Elijah had saved them from other, you know, mm -hmm. making those people blind. That's how incredibly gifted Elijah was. You know, he all those troops that came to storm the city, mm -hmm. or oh, they came to storm him. Boy, he's got both of the kings coming against him. He's got the enemy king coming against right. him. He's got his own king coming yes, against him. Yes, very good point. And he still was able to uh, be the man of God. And I, I like that, you know, Elijah knew, you know, the enemy was coming. It says, uh, he, he was saying, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear the matters, the matters that following him. They said, while Elisha was still saying this, Okay, as he was prophesying, or, or you know, seeing it came. yeah, it took place. That's how quickly things that can happen in the spirit. Amen. You know, okay. when you speak and declare God's protection over your family, and you know. Well, let's see what the uh, study Bible. Uh, there was there was one more point that I liked, and it's on the other, uh, the part where the um, the the. Elisha and his, I don't know if it was a servant or what, but he was afraid and said that there were so many coming against them. And Elisha, Elisha told him, those who are with us are far greater than those who are against us. That's where the scripture comes from there. Amen. But it's amazing how Elisha, when he prayed, he opened his eyes so he can see around him all of the, 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 the powers of, of heaven that were around to help him, right? Amen. And then the other ones were blinded. Sumerians were, well, not, I don't know if it's Sumerians, no. but they were blinded, and they were led to Samaria, right? And when they were led to Samaria, they had mercy on them. They said, just give them bread and water. We don't kill prisoners of war. Amen. And they fed them, they went back. So uh, the, while the enemy's eyes were blind, the other person's eyes were open to see all the, the great see how would we feel if we have the situation if we open our eyes and see all of the power of God over us over our families our protection of our families um, you know all the warring angels that, that come and, and defeat the enemy and our behalf things we don't even see things we don't even see but in this scenario wow if we could we see saw chariots and fire Horses and chariots of fire. I mean, that's that's a that's an event right there. You know, 
to be able to see that. <clears throat> Amen. And know you have victory already. You know, but we have to go what the word says. It says we walk by faith and not by our sight. So I listen. Amen. Then Elijah went out and told them, "You men have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you're looking for." It's a good sermon to preach sinners. You have yeah. come the wrong way. This, that isn't the wrong way. Using your pride and your arrogance. Mm -hmm. Follow me, follow the Lord, and He will take you to the right place that you're looking for. Yeah, I guess for me, I come alive in this in this book, this chapter that I just read, because there's like a miracle after a miracle after a miracle taking place. I think that you know the miracle of the axe, and then you have the miracle of the eyes uh, being opened and the eyes being closed of the enemy. Then you have the miracle of the, um, the, the professing of the famine that was going to change it's, it's just miracles okay let's see that's what it says right here in today's group study it says sometimes we become so problem focused mm -hmm. that we have a hard time listening when someone holds our hope or tells us about God's promises instead of focusing on the negatives we should cultivate our attitude of expectancy when our resources are low and our doubts are the strongest, God can open the floodgates of heaven. Our faith may be weak or very small, but we must avoid becoming skeptical of God's provisions. If you're doubting God's power of goodness, ask Him to encourage your faith and strengthen your hopes. Surrender your fear and release control of your situation to God. You know, that's one of the reasons we we read day in and mm -hmm. day out. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So if we can read stories like this and understand where the Holy Spirit is taking us, yeah. you know, he's keeping us, our cup full, so we can get more. We get a bigger yeah. cup, right. reservoir. Yes. Because, I mean, we're living in paradise. We have abundance. We're yeah. water. We have to keep food out. Yes. It's not that we need food. We have to keep food out because we got too much abundance. Doesn't that make his word true? Mm -hmm. That I will open up the windows of mm -hmm. heaven and pour out that there'll be not enough room? Amen. Well, there's not enough room in my belt anymore. Right. <laughs> Amen. Know? So, you know, it's on the small things yeah. where it starts. There was one more, um, right, uh, one more verse there that the Lord, it said, He did everything that He promised He was going to do. Did you oh, amen. No. Towards the end of the chapter there. Everything, yes. Everything that the Lord said had, had been done. Yeah. No, just well, as the Lord has promised. Yes. Just as the just Lord as has Lord's promised. So, Isn't that what I just said in my prayer? Lord, just as you have promised, do it. And yes. then the Lord realized that he's already done it. He's already done it. But yes, it's amen. my pea brain thing. Yeah. And, you know, I want him to, get, you know. But this is like. He's already done it. This has, chapter has so much to say. You know about the miracles and the promises and the and so much to say about the man of God. You know yeah. the man of God. Mm -hmm. My spirit is he's a representative of God, mm -hmm. and he's doing acts like a represent like yeah. he is God. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and he's praying to me. And he said, "Did he say, oh my father?" Yes, yes. Uh, I think the king make these men. Um, oh yes, yes, he did. Blind. Yes. Is that what he said? That was uh, yeah. It's in the scripture there. 
so, so he prayed, oh Lord, no, he said, oh Lord, please yeah. make them blind. But there was one in there about, oh my father, you're right, I was, I picked up on that, was there another? Okay, let's move on. Acts 15, 36, 16 and 15. <clears throat> After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord. To see how many new believers are doing, how the new believers, Barnabas agreed and went, wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed on for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's grace care, to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystria, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well thought of by the believers. In Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey in deference to the Jews of the area. He arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went down, they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the providence of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. At once they left. They had a vision. When boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samot Race, and the next day they landed on Neopolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. 
Today's study, God directed the missionaries' travels. The Holy Spirit had prevented them from proceeding westward into the province of Asia. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go north to Bithynia. And the Paul, then Paul had a vision calling them to go northwest over the, to Macedonia. God's Spirit guided his servants throughout Acts in numerous ways. Divine visions, direct intuition, counsel with other believers, guidance through prayer, insight through scripture and prophecy guidance by the indwelling holy spirit helped them to accomplish their mission to be christ's witnesses the holy spirit guided us to the right places but he also guides us away from the wrong places knowing god's will does not mean that we must hear his voice he leads in many different ways when you are seeking god's will make sure your plans are in harmony with god's word ask mature christians for their advice Okay, uh, the experience I haven't got by God's will is that if you're going the wrong way, He'll show you. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing something and it's acceptable, you go on your merry way doing God's work. Mm-hmm. But if he, you're going to go somewhere do something, He'll show you that He don't want you very plainly mm-hmm. in a vision or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that the two separated, and I, and I think... Uh, I heard somewhere that that's the last place where you hear of Barnabas and John Mark. You don't hear of them anymore. Oh, yeah. You know, after that, that's what I think. I'm not sure, but... Uh, well, some, it's because someone wanted to bring John Mark, right? And, yeah. Probably wants to something. Well, you heard Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. John, you know, John, John Mark was probably... Uh, you know, this, the common sense spirit was with Paul, and, mm-hmm. and the other the other guy just wanted to make a, when you have two strong leaders, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to work together. You know, they yeah. both want to be in, uh, so this is the best thing that happened that they, because then Paul was able to bloom, and then he picked up Timothy, mm-hmm. where he was able okay. to uh, sponsor him and bring him up, you know. That's right. Um, you know, and Timothy went to do a lot of great things too for the Lord. He got his own books. We don't have a book on Barnabas, but we got yeah, book of right, Tim- yeah. two books of Timothy. Praying the Psalms. Express your complaints to God and ask Him for His help. Psalm 142, 1 through 7. I cried out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaint before Him and tell Him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I said, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Psalm 17, 24 and 25. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. It's kind of interesting that the Lord says, Look unto me. And I am your salvation. I am your wisdom. I am your wisdom. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. 
Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word today. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, for the reading of your word. We give you praise and thanksgiving. Thank you for giving us your counsel, Lord, and your leadership, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for this time of our reading. We thank you, Lord, that today is the, the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. Thank you, Lord, that you provide everything we need, Lord. Your faithfulness reaches to the heavens, Lord. Thy faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your being faithful. And everything we ever needed, your hand has provided. We thank you for reading Second Kings chapter 8 today to 9.13. We thank you for the 25th. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So right here, chapter 8 says... Eliseo habló con la mujer a cuyo hijo había revivido y le dijo que se fueran allá y su familia a vivir a otro lugar porque el Señor había anunciado un gran hambre en el país que duraría siete años. La mujer se preparó y hizo lo que el profeta le aconsejó. Se fue con su familia al territorio filisteo y allí se quedó a vivir siete años. Pasado ese tiempo, la mujer regresó de territorio filisteo y fue a ver el rey para reclamar la devolución de su casa y sus tierras. El rey estaba hablando con Geisei, Geisei el criado del profeta Eliseo. Pues le había pedido que le contara todas las maravillas que Eliseo había realizado. Y en el momento en que Geise le estaba contando al rey cómo Eliseo había revivido al hijo de una mujer, llegó ésta a reclamar el rey a su casa y sus tierras. Entonces Geisi dijo al rey, «Majestad, esta es la mujer, y este es su hijo» a quien Eliseo revivió. El rey hizo preguntas a la mujer y ella le contó su historia. Después el rey ordenó a un oficial de su confianza que se encargara de que fueran devueltas a la mujer todas sus propiedades y todo lo que había producido sus tierras desde que había salido del país hasta aquel momento. Después, Eliseo fue a Damasco. En aquel tiempo estaba enfermo Ben-Hadad, el rey de Siria, y le dijeron que había llegado el profeta. Entonces dijo el rey de Ahazael, Toma un regalo y vete a ver el profeta. Pídele que consuele al Señor para ver si sobreviviré a esta enfermedad. Hazael fue a ver el profeta y le llevó regalos de los mejores produciendo de Damasco, cargados en cuarenta cameos. Cuando llegó ante él, le dijo, Ven a Dad, rey de Siria, quien te ve como un padre, me envía a preguntarte si sobrevivirá a su enfermedad. <coughs> Eliseo le respondió, Ve y dile que sobrevivirá. En su enfermedad, aunque el Señor me ha hecho saber que de todos modos va a morir. De pronto, Eliseo se quedó mirando fijamente a Hazael, lo que hizo que, está, que se sintiera incómodo. 
Luego el profeta se echó a llorar. Y Hazael le preguntó, ¿por qué lloras, mi señor? ¿Por qué? Y Eliseo le respondió, porque sé que vas a causarle daño a los israelitas, pues vas a prender fuego a sus fortalezas, a matar a filo de espada a sus jóvenes, a asesinar a sus pequeñuelos y abrirles el vientre a las mujeres embarazadas. Hazael contestó, Hazael, pues si yo no soy más que un perro pobre, ¿cómo podría hacer tal cosa? Y Eliseo le respondió, El Señor me ha hecho saber que tú vas a ser rey de Siria. Asael se despidió de Eliseo y se presentó ante su soberano, quien le preguntó, ¿Qué te ha dicho Eliseo? Asael le contestó, Me ha dicho que vas a sobrevivir a tu enfermedad. Pero el siguiente día, Hazael fue y tomó una almohada y luego de empaparla de agua, se la puso al rey sobre la cara y el rey murió. Después de esto, Hazael reinó en su lugar. En el quinto año del reinado de Joram, hijo de Acab en Israel, Joram, hijo de Josefat, comenzó a reinar en Judá. Tenía treinta y dos años cuando comenzó a reinar y reinó en Jerusalén ocho años. Pero siguió los pasos de los reyes de Israel y de la descendencia de Acab, pues su mujer era la descendencia de Acab. Así que sus hechos fueron malos a los ojos del Señor, pero el Señor no quiso destruir a Judá por consideración a su siervo David, a quien prometió que siempre tendría entre él una lámpara encendida. Durante el reinado de Joram, Irum se rebeló contra el dominio de Judá y nombró su propio rey. Entonces Joram se dirigió a Sair con todos sus carros de combate y durante la noche se levantaron y él y los capitanes de los carros de combate y atacaron a los idomitas que los habían rodeado. Y los hicieron huir, pero Idom logró hacerse independiente de Judá hasta el presente. También en aquel tiempo se hizo independiente la ciudad de Libna. El resto de las historias de Joram y de todo lo que hizo está escrito en el libro de las crónicas de los reyes de Judá. Cuando Joram murió, los enterraron con sus padres a la ciudad de David. Después reinó en su lugar su hijo, Ocosías. En el año 12 del reinado de Joram, hijo de Acab, en Israel, Ocosías, hijo de Joram, rey de Judá, comenzó a reinar. Tenía 22 años cuando empezó a reinar y reinó en Jerusalén un año. Su madre se llamaba Atalía y era descendiente, <coughs> descendiente de Omri, rey de Israel. Ocosías siguió los pasos de Acab y su dinastía. 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 Y por causa de sus relaciones familiares con la casa de Acab, fue hecho, fueron malos a los ojos del Señor. Ocosías se alió con Joram. Hijo de Acab para pelear en Ramot de Galad contra Hazael, rey de Siria. Pero los sirios hicieron, hirieron a Joram 
y este regresó a Jezreel para curarse de las heridas que le habían hecho los sirios en Ramot durante el combate contra Hazael, rey de Siria. Entonces, como Joram estaba enfermo, Ocasías fue a Jezreel a visitarlo. El profeta, Eliseo llamado a, un, a uno del grupo de los profetas y le dijo, prepara para salir, toma este frasco de aceite y ve a Ramot de Galadar. Cuando llegues allá, ve en busca de Jehu, hijo de Josafat, el y nieto de Nimsi. Entra en donde él se encuentre, apártalo de sus compañeros y llévalo a otra habitación. Toma entonces el frasco de aceite y derrámalo sobre su casa, diciendo, Así dice el Señor, yo te consagro como rey de Israel. Abre luego la puerta y huye sin detenerte. El joven profeta fue a Ramot de Galad y cuando llegó allí encontró reunidos a los capitanes del ejército. Entonces dijo, tengo algo que comunicar a mis capitanes. ¿A cuál de todos nosotros? Respondió Jehú. A usted, mi capitán, contestó el profeta. Enseguida, Jehú se levantó y entró en la habitación. Entonces el profeta derramó el aceite sobre su cabeza y le anunció. El Señor Dios de Israel dice, Yo te consagro como rey de Israel, mi pueblo. Tú acabarás con los descendencias de Acab, tu amo, y así vengarás la sangre de mis profetas y de todos mis siervos, derramada por Jezabel. Toda la familia de Acab será destruida. Acabaré con todos sus varones en Israel y ninguno quedará con vida. Voy a hacer con la descendencia de Acab lo mismo que hice con lo la de Jeroboam, hijo de Nabat, y con la de Basá, hijo de Ahías. En cuanto a Jezebel, se le come, comerán los perros en el campo de Jezreel, y no habrá quien la entierre. Dicho esto, el profeta abrió la puerta y huyó. Y cuando Jehú fue a reunirse con sus oficiales de su amo, esos le preguntaron, ¿qué pasó? ¿Para qué he venido a verte ese loco? <risa> pues ustedes lo conocen y conocen también su modo de hablar, dijo Jehu. No me engañes, contestaron ellos. Vamos, <coughs> cuéntanoslos todos. Entonces Jehu les respondió, pues me dijo lo siguiente, así dice el Señor, yo te consagro como rey de Israel. Al momento cada uno de ellos tomó su capa y la tendió a sus pies sobre los escalones, luego tocaron el cuerno del carnero y gritaron, Jehu es el rey. Amén. Okay. So, um, it's amazing how Elisha went back to give a word to the woman who, he brought the son back to life. He went to give her a word. Word up. I love it. And it says that, uh, you know, there's a warning about the famine, so she took off You know, well, it was the main thing that a yeah. lot of people don't do. She believed. Yeah, she believed and took the word of the prophets. Um, so then, uh, for that's seven. That's a little word. That's a, that's a huge word. word. Yeah. Sorry, Lord. Um, and then, so when she came back, she went to the king to talk about her house and her land that were left behind. 
but the amazing thing is that Gehazi began to give testimony. He, the king wanted to hear all the miracles that took place about the house and the land. And um, she went to make that appeal, and, and she and um, he brought the woman to physically and the son. This is the one that was brought back to life. So he brought the live testimony to the king. Amazing. And um, what you think about, what you talk yeah. about, will come about. So this is the this is the key scripture. Okay. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her. Amen. Those are angels today. Amen. Amen. Angel, restore. Wow. Restore, Lord. Yes. Here's the big word on restoration. It says. He directed one of his officials to see that everything, not part of it, everything that we've lost, she had lost, was restored to her, including the value, babe. Listen, there's, you know how Pastor Prince always teaches on the gainer, that you gain when you lose something, you're a gainer, yeah. 120% back? Well, this says, uh, everything that she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Seven years of the, the the crops had to be paid back to her. This is awesome scripture. But you know, the only thing is, wasn't there a famine? The land wasn't producing any. That's why she left. But during her absence, if something had to be produced, the value, it says the value of any crops that had been produced. Oh. So, so anyways, that is, that's a great scripture to hang, hang on to, that there's restoration with payback and also, you know, that the king had no problem restoring her land to her and her house and everything that belonged to her. Everything. It says everything. Not just the house and the land. Whatever was lost. Because he heard the testimony, you know, of what took place. The miracles that happened. Gave, uh, something happened to the king. Uh-huh. Um, so I was wondering about the king that was sick. And then H- Hazel you know, sent the word from Ben-Hadad that said, um, will he recover? Will I recover from this illness? And then Elisha said, go tell him you will surely recover, but actually the Lord has shown me that he'll die. Why would he tell him to go tell him you're going to recover and then he dies? That's my question. I don't know. And I like how Elisha saw the, you know, he had insight to what that king was going to do, what Hazel was going to do. But then over here, it switched so quickly, I didn't quite get the, you know, when Jeroboam became the king. Well, you know, the Hashael very plainly came to, he, he was a servant, or, mm-hmm. or maybe, and he of came the king. to, yeah, of the king, and he came to ask him, is he going to live or die? And he said, well, you tell him he's going to live. Yeah. But then God revealed to him all the evil things that, that, that Hashael was going to do, including smugging out his master. Right, and then from there becoming king, and uh, and he started crying and weeping on that. Yeah. Amen. That's a good. So, anyways, he started all the kings, and then. And then there's a, they would happen with all the olive oil and the consecration that took place. Jehu. Yeah, for Jehu. 
Jehu became the king. Okay, so okay, so then he anoints them to be the the king. He says, "You're to destroy the family of Ahab, your master." Yeah, in this way I will avenge the murder of my prophets and the Lord's servants who were killed by Jezebel. And it says here that uh, Jezebel was going to be eaten by dogs, or killed by dogs. Eaten by dogs. Yeah, eaten, and no one will bury her. And then he took off. That's a strong prophecy. Yeah, very strong. Okay. Okay, what's the next one? Um, uh, Acts chapter <coughs> 16. Go ahead, start reading. Okay, verse 16 to 40. It says, On the day, one day, as we, Luke, Paul, and their companions were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. What verse? Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 16, please, to 40. One day as we, okay, Luke, Paul, and their companions were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Thank you, Chapter 16, verse 16 to 40. Starts at sixteen. Sixteen yeah. sixteen. Yes. You're you're not in sixteen sixteen. I'm right here. That's sixteen one. Sixteen oh. sixteen's over here. Oh. Sixteen sixteen. Yeah, six, but it says I start here one day. It would have been sixteen one. Right, but it starts at sixteen. This is sixteen over here. This says go to sixteen sixteen. But I read I start from here. One day. Yeah. We already read that yesterday. Um, but but it's, why am I, I wouldn't go over here if I'm over here. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the one that's wrong. <laughs> From that Bible, it's okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I need to move on. Okay. Acts. Six, yeah, one, ready? Ready. Okay. <laughs> Senior moment. <laughs> it's a junior moment. Junior moment. Yeah. One day as we, Luke, Paul, and their companions were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl, and she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten and with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into, the, into prison. 
The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, <laughs> and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all there. Or we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Amen. Um, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized, and he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And then he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, Let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, The city officials have said, you and Silas are free to go in peace. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. Mm -hmm. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Mm -hmm. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more then they left town. Amen. Anything? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, They were singing songs and praising the Lord. It's interesting that the other um, people didn't uh, escape. They, they, they seemed like everyone became believers while they were, while they were in chains. Uh, the other prisoners heard them. And it's amazing how the jailer uh, took them home. And, you know, they always had water as a ritual way for them to wash themselves. So in other words, they have pools in the private homes like saunas. Mm -hmm. So they got baptized, their whole family, and they all rejoiced in believing. Um, you know, just in them singing, singing songs, and they heard them, and everybody got converted. Uh, it's an amazing thing that suddenly the earthquake came. Yeah, yes. Um, that's all I'm getting for right now. Yeah, and it says, uh, while they were praying and singing song, uh, hymns to the Lord uh -huh. at midnight, um, suddenly the massive earthquake came. Um, but it's interesting how this situation here, when they cast the demon out, the the master, the woman's master lost much wealth. So um, then they persecuted for doing that, thrown into this jail. But the interesting thing is... Um, how she kept saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. So she annoyed them. She kept saying it every day, and, you know, Paul was able to, to see that there was a spirit And amazing, that, you know, yeah, I thought it was a good thing, but we always know, recognize that the spirits know the truth. What yeah. It was black and white, yeah. and the spirit knew that was the truth. Yeah. 
And the only thing the Spirit could do was speak the truth, even though the Spirit didn't want to. Right. That's what I think. The demon yeah. didn't want to. That demon that was inside of her speaking the truth, that these right. men are... Right. So, 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 that, so that's amazing that um, even though this woman spoke truth, she was uh, not she on the right side. Delivered. Yeah, she needed to be delivered. All the demons yeah. recognized who Jesus yeah. was and so, the Spirit of God. And, and so, the demon will tell you, I don't like you. you know? Yeah. I like the one up. time we were with, uh, remember Cynthia and her daughter? Mm-hmm. And we were there? Ministering to a homeless girl. Yeah, and she told you straight to your face. Yeah. I don't like you. That was the enemy. That was the devil saying that to you. I don't like you. She was lying on the floor there in the house. Yeah. I remember that clearly. It was like, she that was, was one of the first times I've ever seen the demonic at work. That they, and, but she's turned around now, right? Yeah, she's, we pray. We yeah, we prayed for, for her. her but uh, that was a clear indicator, kind of like, I don't like you. You have Jesus in you, yeah. you know. Okay, but you, um, okay, so that's, that's but, okay, so here's a good example of how something for evil that was turned around quickly into mm-hmm. God's, God's glory by, you know, because they were thrown in the jail and they kept their thanksgiving and they kept their praising and they kept their worship, then suddenly, okay, I, so I look about the book of Acts, there's a lot of suddenlies in this, this, this book, but um, it talks about how, you know, like you said, the earthquakes, the earthquake happened, and the doors flew open, and everything, um, everything started to change, um, and and they got an opportunity for salvation with the jailer, who got on his knees and said, "What, sir? What must I do to be saved?" When he saw all that taking place, when the heavens began to move in their behalf, he saw all that was taking place, and uh, they were able to minister to the jailer. And everybody in the household got saved and baptized. And uh, and then they got let go. You so know, they did their work and they were released. Uh, you know, the um, the officials, I guess, with the high priest said, you know, I, they took them away from the mob. Because, and that was a good thing. That was yeah. mercy on their part. Mm-hmm. They took them away from the mob because the mob really wanted to stone them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they just get into a frenzy. And I see mercy that the, they took yeah. them and they flogged them. Yeah. They, they whipped them with sticks. And mm-hmm. then they, 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 it was, they took them away from the mob. That was a great thing. Yeah. So they were protected. They did the work okay. they were supposed to. And they right. got out and they were protected. Okay. What's the next reading? Uh, Psalm 143. Okay. Psalm 143, 1 to 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you're faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial, for no one is innocent before you. My enemy has chased me, he's knocked me to the ground, and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I for, I give myself to you. Rescue me from the enemies, Lord. I run to hide. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious Spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. 
For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this darkness or distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. Proverbs 17:26. It's wrong to punish the godly for being good or to flog leaders for being honest. 